Well, I thought I'd start with this. Maybe I ain't really know what living is. Is it love? If it was, am I living it? Do I live in it? So astounding. Love is an ocean you could drown me. The sweet embrace, the lovely taste, I taste and see I'm under grace, the place to be. It means I don't never need an umbrella. I'm cool in the cool or the hot weather, whether or never I ever understand I'm a man in the hands of great plans. I stand, does anybody know it? In the hands of faith, of a life I never known a touch that's still outside my clutch, but I'm like, what's to dream of, what's to hope in, what's to die for, live to know in, this is living. The life I've been given is a gift. If I'm a living, I'm a living to death. Jeremy, you should have rapped that during the message. It's one of my favorite songs. It's awesome. What is love? Man, I hope you guys experience love one day in your life. And guess what? We're going to experience it in the love of Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Not that royal wedding, but the royal wedding. Are y'all ready for this? Okay, Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. This is uh, a prophetic vision of a, uh, a, messi a messianic hope. This is the end game of the Bible. The end game of the Bible is a bride and a bridegroom, a wedding the Lord of hosts throws down. It says, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. I love this. All nations coming together for a wedding we're in wedding season. How many of you went to a wedding yesterday? Probably, okay, Alan, Alan went to one. Um, this is wedding season. Man, weddings are awesome. I love weddings. I loved my wedding. It was great. My wedding was like 105 degrees, and everyone was just like, let's go. Let's party. Um, I, I loved it so much. Um, how many of you uh, love going to weddings? Okay, you can be honest in here, guys. You don't have to love weddings, but I think we're going to all love this wedding, um, regardless of where your stance is on weddings. This one is the one to be at, and there is an invitation, a great invitation throughout the whole scripture inviting us into this wedding. And this wedding is the joy of God. Um, he is inviting us into a relationship with him, not just to throw a party, but to join himself to us forever as a people of God, and that is marked by joy. Um, I'm really excited about it, so let's go. Um, I wanted to share a quick story about my honeymoon, just so uh, we're clear on what happens at weddings. Um, I'm kidding. I'm not going to talk about that part, but um, I loved Katie so much that I put a ring on it, 
and we got married, and I wanted to go to like a, a remote island to take her, and that was the way I wanted to express my love, was to take her to this remote island. It was called Nevis. I don't know if you've heard of it. You probably haven't, because it is literally a volcano with a road around it. Um, I had just seen it on Google, and I was like, we're going there. And so we show up to this deal. We actually had to fly to another island and get on a ferry to go to this deal. We get on this ferry, and we're like the only people on this ferry. And so we're like, this is pretty great. Like, we're going to a volcano by ourselves. Like, this is what I wanted. All of a sudden, two police vans show up with 30 dudes all chained together, and they get on this thing in, in like orange jumpsuits, chained up, getting onto this ferry. Us and these 30 dudes. I was like, I would later find out that this volcano with the road around it was actually the main, like, high-security prison for the entire region. And so I was like, awesome. I'm like, I'm entering into, like, lost right now. Like, something's about to go down. Um, it was a great trip. We did not have any contact other than on that ferry with the criminals. They did not escape, as far as I know. But after the trip... We needed to take a ferry to get back to the island that has the airplanes. But the ferry did not run on the day that our plane was taking off. So we were stranded on this island with these convicts. And I, I had to, no joke, I had to bribe a scuba director to take me with all of my luggage onto his scuba trip to take me across to the other side. So I'm Katie and I are on this ferry or on this, this little boat with all these dudes dressed up in scuba gear about to have the time of their lives and I have my, my luggage. And they're like, what's this dude doing here? I was just like, I just, I just didn't speak. Um, but anyways, I share that just as a picture of what a, 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 um, a worldly engagement, marriage, a honeymoon looks like. And I just want to let you know that this is not what that is going to look like. This is aged wine. Pull out the Trader Joe's like three-part cheese and just like go after it. Um, I, I love like this imagery that Jesus pulls out or the Bible pulls out of what's going to throw down at the end times. So literally like the images, mountains not flowing with water, but flowing with wine for us to drink and take our fill. And then in that place, the presence of God gives us so much joy. So I'm really excited about that last wedding day. It's going to be awesome. Amen? Okay, come on. Um, I, I love it because it points forward to someone, not just to something, but to someone. There has to be a bridegroom. There has to be a bride. And what we get to see in the life of Jesus is that he declares himself as this bridegroom, this messianic king who's coming to love a bride. And we are the bride, the church, the people of God. And so when you read in John 2, John 2 is when Jesus has started his ministry, he selected his disciples, and now he is invited to a wedding. Can you imagine inviting Jesus, the son of the living God, to your wedding? Can you imagine like having his address, filling out, sending him a save the date with your picture, and Jesus being like, you know what, I'd like, I'd like to go to that. <laughs> if I had a fridge, I would put it on my fridge. Jesus like said yes to going to this wedding, which honestly for us, when we say we're going to a wedding, it's like we're planning on spending an evening with you. But in Jewish culture back then, a wedding would last for days, for, for seven days, if not longer. And so Jesus actually going to this wedding 
is actually a greater commitment that he's making. I, I love just thinking about that, that Jesus would take time to go celebrate someone's marriage when he is, in fact, like the fulfillment of the picture of marriage. Like he is, he's willing to participate in the shadow when later he is going to show the reality of his heart to, to be wed to his bride. And so I just love that. So at this wedding, what happens? Well, the wine runs out. And the bridegroom is the one responsible to keep the party going. And so what happens? Uh, Mary, or Mary shows up and she just goes to Jesus like um, any mother of Jesus would. And it just says, hey, oh, Jesus, they're out of wine. Um, and I, honestly, like, I, I feel like I can understand where she's coming from because she knows, Jesus, you could do whatever you want. You could do this. And what is Jesus' response? I don't recommend this if you're a child in here to respond to your mom this way, but he says, woman. My hour has not come. What, what do I have to do with this? And I just love that response because Jesus, uh, what he's saying is like, you know what? Like the, I'm a bridegroom, but the wedding I'm, I'm going to bring wine at is going to be mountains pouring with wine where all nations will come and drink and feast at my table in the Father's house. And so Jesus is like, my hour has not come, woman, so hold up. But what does Jesus do? He says, you know what? Actually, he doesn't say anything. His mom just looks at the other dude and says, do what he tells you to do. Love that. Love that Jesus' mom is as sassy as most moms in this age. Um, but man, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm sure most of you moms in here have heard your kids say something along those lines of, woman, it's not my time to clean my room. Um, there's something like that. So, but anyways, so these attendants, uh, Jesus says, hey, go grab those purification jars. So these huge 20 to 30 gallon jars that were made to uh, hold water to wash everyone's hands before the feast. Jesus says, grab those jars and fill them up, which I imagine would take a long time because that's 180 gallons of water. And he tells them specifically to fill them to the brim. And then Jesus turns that water into wine. The the purification jars into wine. I'm sure you're picking it up by now, but in the end, Jesus's blood is shed. And he says right beforehand that take this cup, drink this wine for the forgiveness of your sins. And I just love how Jesus is attaching every action at this wedding into what is going to come as a sign. And then Honestly, like him making the wine, he is taking represent. He's taking the place of a bridegroom in providing wine at this wedding. I just love that he is. He is more than willing to reveal who he is in this moment. Um, man, I just I love this. And then the party goes on, and is awesome. It's a great great story. That leads us into where we're at today in Luke five twenty nine through thirty nine. Um, we've been in a series in Luke. Marty West just preached probably the most fire message ever, um, and you should go listen to it. Um, but I'm going to pick up where he kind of left off in here, and it says this in verse 29. Levi is a guy that Jesus has just asked to follow him, and Levi's throwing a party. So Jesus is at another party. Levi gave a big reception for him in his house, and there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with him. 
the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, the disciples of John, John the Baptist, often fast and offer prayers. And the disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, you cannot make the attendants of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. I love this. I love this passage of just what Jesus is communicating in this moment with the Pharisees. So I love initially the, the Pharisees, you see them grumbling. And in the Old Testament, all the time, I would, I would encourage you to do a word study. This is a random word study, but do it on the word grumbling. And you will see the people of God grumbling against God for a provision or a need or grumbling against Moses. And it's just a consistent theme throughout the scripture. And every time the people of God grumble, God responds to them in some way. And so even if the root of our grumbling is not in something that's righteous, God always responds. And he always responds either by meeting a need or actually correcting and disciplining his people. And I just love that because that's a good picture of what it looks like to be a parent for most of you guys where, honestly, there is a moment of grumbling every day for something, whether it's the food that they want, um, whether it's um, a, a joy that they want to have or whatever. I was hanging out with Zuri Grace, a good friend of mine. She is a uh, five-year-old. Um, and... Man, we are, we are just like this all the time. And yesterday, we were hanging out like anybody else on Memorial Day weekend in a little pool that I had purchased at Walmart. Um, and we're sitting, jumping into the water, and then all of a sudden, something came over me, the, the passion to splash her in the face. And just in this moment, I was thinking, man, this is going to up the happiness level in this moment. Uh, but what ended up happening was uh, she left, and she didn't want to hang out with me anymore. And, you know, I, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I feel like sometimes that just happens in relationship. And there is a deep grumbling happening within this little child, uh, and I chose to enter into the grumbling and just hug her and tell her I love her and apologize and Soon her problems were just, they were gone. Um, and I'm sure many of, many of you experienced that. And I just, I think God loves, honestly, like to respond to grumbling. He's been doing it from eternity past. Like he, he has always been responding to grumbling. And so be free to grumble. But Jesus responds. He says, uh, is it not those uh, who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick? And so Jesus jumps to defend his disciples who are being questioned by the Pharisees, who are grumbling at them because they're like, hey, you're not supposed to do what you're doing. It is not right. You're not set apart. And Jesus jumps in to defend them um, of really like Jesus' ministry is to come bring joy and bring life and bring his love to a place that hasn't known it. And so into this party, Jesus is going and he is defending his disciples. And I just love that. But as Jesus defends his disciples, the Pharisees turn their questioning to him and actually accuse Jesus of his 
teaching, his ways of what, how he teaches his disciples. And um, they ask, well, we fast a lot. We pray a lot. You don't. At least we haven't seen it. So what's going on here, Jesus? Um, if you are the son of God, should not you be the best at these things? And Jesus says to them, you cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. I love this passage because, again, Jesus is communicating clearly this picture of him being the bridegroom. And I want to I step back, not the picture, but the reality. Jesus is not like a bridegroom. Jesus is a bridegroom. It is not something he's like. It's who he is. God is love. And he expresses himself through being a bridegroom to a people to love them and to commit himself to them. And so when we see this passage, he is, he's getting at something that's very clear to them, um, which honestly I think it's funny because in the Old Testament, many of the times the people of God grumble against the Lord. It's because, hey, we're thirsty. Hey, we're hungry. Will you provide for us? And in this situation, the Pharisees are like, hey, why are you eating and why are you drinking? Um, and so they kind of like have turned the opposite side. And Jesus um, communicates that my disciples are with the bridegroom right now. Really, like the only emotion they should be experiencing right now is joy unending because I'm right here. I'm with them. He's not saying it's improbable for them to fast. He's saying it is impossible for them to fast. The, the current system of fasting at this time was to mourn and to, to express sorrow for your own sin or for the sins of the people of God. And so Jesus is saying, like, this is not a time to mourn when I'm in your midst. Soon I'll be taken away, and then you may fast. But then he goes into something about new wineskins and old wineskins and new wine and old wine, and it's very confusing, but I just want you to, to go away with what Jesus is saying is like, hey, the way that you have fasted doesn't work when I'm in your midst. There is no room for mourning when I am in your presence. When my presence is here, there is fullness of joy, and that's what marks my disciples. And so it's a new fasting that comes after Jesus that he's communicating when he talks about this old cloth and new cloth and new wine and old wine. He's saying that once I have come and revealed the love of God as a bridegroom. Now, as you fast, it's not to just be sorrowful and mourn, but actually to long to encounter the presence of God and to know his love more and more and more and more. And so you go from mourning to mooring, if that makes sense. That's not a word, but go with it. Um, just love that so much. So Man, um, Jesus isn't like a bridegroom. He is a bridegroom. He is the bridegroom king. He is the bridegroom king. We just finished a series on the good and beautiful kingdom of God. And Jesus is a king, but Jesus is a king bridegroom. I just love that. So we're going to get into very specifics, just, a, just responses, three responses. Because I know you guys are ready to jump into a pool somewhere and just go have a jolly good time. But I want you to have joy in Jesus before you do that. Amen? Amen. Let's go. Okay, response number one, listen for your bridegroom. Receive his joy. 
I think John the Baptist in John 3, he says that it is his joy to listen to the voice of the bridegroom. And that's where his joy is made complete in seeing the one, the Messiah, who has come in the person of Jesus. And this is a moment where John the Baptist is losing all of his disciples to Jesus. And he's like, I love it. I love it. Go with the bridegroom. And so listen for your bridegroom um, and receive his joy. I think a lot of the times I feel like I'm in a place where I need to just have a right response of joy from myself to Jesus. And I feel like something's wrong in me when I don't feel joyful. Like I, I just feel like I'm missing something and I need, to, I need to just muster it up. I need to put on a smile. I need to just be happy because I'm supposed to be, if that makes sense. And I just want you to experience some, some freedom this morning to receive God's joy, not your own, that it would be something that God would impart to you. And even just want to do a quick practice. I've been discipling uh, a man from the Middle East for the last three years, and we were meeting together last night. He is now a believer, and he was teaching me how to pray, which I love when your disciples teach you how to pray. He said, okay, I want you to, to do this. Everyone do this with me. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you like slap anyone or do some Baylor deal or whatever. I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and he was like, this is the faith. Like, and he was saying, you must, you must grab hold of faith, God's faith. And so I, I just loved it. I was like, dude, let's go. Like, come on. I was like, what are we doing next? And he said, put it on your heart. I said, just put it on your heart. And I was like, okay, I'm putting it on my heart. And he said, press it deep. And he just pushed in. And he said, we receive the faith from God. And now we will pray. And then he just prayed the most beautiful prayer I'd ever heard. He's praying for his family to receive Jesus. He's praying for his nation. He's praying for my family to have kids. He's praying for our church to experience joy. And I just began to bawl. And I just think it's the same thing for us that we receive faith, not from ourselves, but from God. The same thing is that we take joy from God, his joy over us. We put it on our heart and we press it in and we allow God to give us joy. That's not of our own, but it's of his spirit. It's of him. And so I just want you to do that. When you lose joy, would you just in faith take it and press it deep within you and pray from that place? Response number two, have a loud, quiet time for a change. There's something about screaming that just like shifts something in my heart of allowing God to know how I feel, but then also experiencing joy. I am like, honestly, if someone was videotaping me, I always see like videos of worship. I'm like, dude, do not put a camera in my face during worship because I'm just like bawling and like crying and, and I'm like, I have this yearning and I, it's not my natural disposition to just be really joyful and jump up and down. And it's always been a challenge for me in church uh, to express those things, but it's always been fairly easy for me to experience that by myself. And I just want to encourage you to grow your relationship with God in the quiet place actually experiencing joy by yourself so that when you get in situations like this, you don't care about what people are doing. You don't care about yourself or how people view you. You care about having joy in the presence of God. 
And so I want to encourage you guys to jump up and down in your house when no one's watching and you feel so dumb and you feel like, wow, like this is, I mean, you just feel giggly inside. Giggly, that's so weird. It's not a real word. I, I don't know. I just think I watch like videos of Stephanie Gretzinger and I'm like, dude, Jesus, how can I worship you like this chick who's just like going crazy, like spinning up and down and just like she's in love with God. I'm just like, okay, I want to be Stephanie Gretzinger in my closet. Like, Lord, I just want to experience joy like with you by myself and get to a place where I can really like be free in your presence. And so I want to encourage you to get loud for a change. Um, maybe not all the time, because you probably have roommates and that, I, I don't know like how that works, but maybe like go outside, go for a run, like go into your car and just scream, have joy, rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Can we do that? Okay. Um, that's just a practice of leading yourself in worship. Um, many times in the scripture, David will say, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, worship his holy name. And he's actually, he's trying to activate something within him. He's like, you, worship, like, do it. He's like telling himself to pick up his mat and walk. He is taking a place of authority of God has given me a revelation of his goodness and the joy that I can experience in him. So body, let's go, let's do it. And so I want you to feel free to take that authority over your own mind. Um, the, the scripture again and again and again is very clear that God is calling us to master ourselves. That's something about fasting that Paul picks up on. He's like, you know, all, all things are good, like all things are permissible, but I don't want to be mastered by anything in this life. I want to be a son of God who takes takes control, self-control over myself. That's something that the Spirit gives us is a self-control to worship. So I love it. So that, that's kind of my third point, bring your soul into his joy. Um, man, I just, I feel again that there, there's something about our practices that lead us into experiencing his joy. And so I just want you to, to experience his joy and bring your soul into it. And so as we finish, I want to read one last passage, um, and it's from um, Revelation 19, 6 through 7, uh, and this is the end game. So I talked about the before of this mountain of, of wine being poured out, this banquet feast where death is swallowed up, we are unveiled, the bride, um, Revelation 19, 6 through 7, it says, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So I love that, the marriage of the Lamb. That's another picture of Jesus communicates is that he is not just um, lion-hearted, he is lamb-like. He lays his life down for us as a sacrifice to purify our sins and to make his bride ready to receive him full communion. So I love this. And so what I want to do is have everyone stand. We're going to finish with this. It says that there is a great sound that comes from who? It's, it comes from a great multitude. You with me, John? <laughs> 
Uh, it says, the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Who can make a sound of many waters? I love it. That's so good. How about, how about a peal of thunder? <laughs> okay. Well, I want you to just think about that. Think about thunder. Think about two days ago when, for some reason, the heavens opened up and poured water down on, on Dallas for like 15 minutes. And we were just like, what the heck just happened? Where are you at, weatherman? Um, but I want you to think about not just those sounds, but those sounds communicating something. Those sounds communicating a hallelujah. I don't want your first hallelujah to come on this day. I want it to be today if you haven't had it yet. Um, so we're going to say... How, hallelujah. Y'all ready? Do y'all know how to say that? Hallelujah. And we are going to scream it like a peal of thunder thro being thrown down from heaven. So y'all ready? I don't know if you're ready. I, I need to hear from you. Okay, the great multitude is about to throw down a hallelujah because the marriage of the lamb is going to come. And we are going to feast at the table of our father. And we are going to receive the fullness of joy everlasting. And right now we're going to take ground in our hallelujah. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Hallelujah! Amen. That's awesome. Love you guys. Pray with me. Jesus, bless us, God, to be a blessing to our city. Lord, bless us to experience your love as a bridegroom, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would wipe away every lie that we've believed about what you see in us. God, you don't see, Lord, anything other than a bride. God, you see a bride when you look at us, God. God, when Adam and Eve ran away from you, you saw them the same. God, you didn't see them any differently. You saw them as your bride. God, when we run away from you, you don't see us as the runaway bride. You see us as the bride in whom your delight is in, God. God, we are not forsaken. We are your delight. And so we just receive that afresh this morning. Lord, you pour out joy over my friends. God, over your beloved, would she experience joy everlasting in you, God? Would she take joy from your hand and place it deep within her chest, God, and know the joy that surpasses understanding, your love, God. God, we love your love. Thank you that you are love, God. You have power, but you are love. And so we just thank you for your plan for us. This is our future, and we rejoice in your plan, God. We love you, Lord. Amen.